Join ResU in thoughtful conversations that will pique your curiosity and expand your mind. ResU's thought leadership and partners will introduce unique ideas and ways that help listeners make choices that are influential, mindful, and impactful. November is Epilepsy Awareness Month. What do you as an organization do for Epilepsy Awareness Month? A lot of it is just empowering our community to be in the community as much as possible, educating schools, sharing stories, great ways for people to get involved in their community and say, hey, I want to raise money for this cause because this is what the foundation is doing, providing free case management, free advocacy, free education to anyone living with epilepsy. To our podcast. I'm Dr. Tree Scanlon, President of Resurrection University. For today's episode of Thinking Out Loud, we'd like to bring attention to a neurological disorder that impacts many of us, including me and members of my immediate family. I thought it was important to educate our listening audience on this important topic, especially since November is Epilepsy Awareness Month. Joining me in the studio today is Aisha Akhtar, the Director of Education for the Epilepsy Foundation of Greater Chicago. Aisha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Great. So could you start out by telling us a little bit about what epilepsy really is? Mm -hmm. Epilepsy is the fourth most common brain disorder that is marked by having recurring unprovoked seizures. So it's important to understand what a seizure is. So a lot of times when I'm in classrooms, I like to start with this analogy of a cell phone because Mm -hmm. now everybody has a cell phone. And if you can remember a situation where you've tried to send or receive a text message or make a phone call in an area where it's very crowded, perhaps even right here on the 18th floor. Yeah. You know, the signals don't go through or they crossfire or your messages are undelivered. So in the brain, we have millions of neurons that are transmitting electrical signals as well all day, every day. And at any time, there could be a crossfiring of neurons or there could be too many neurons at one juncture. And so that sort of produces this electrical storm, as they like to say. And that is the seizure moment. And that seizure can cause a person to have a change in their behavior, their senses, their awareness, or their movement. Yeah. With my son who has epilepsy, we always call it resetting of the brain mm-hmm. because it, the two sides aren't talking to each other in his case, but I think your cell phone analogy is, is spot on, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so for those of our listening audience who really have never experienced anyone that has had any kind of seizure or epileptic episode, what are the types that they could potentially see or or witness? Mm -hmm. So that's a great question because a lot of times people say, well, I've never experienced anyone having a seizure. I've never seen it. So this conversation is irrelevant to me. But I'd like to argue that actually one in 10 people will have a single seizure in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. And it's more common than a person thinks. And based on the different types of reactions that a seizure can produce, there are more than 20, maybe even 30 seizure types. And some of them look like a student or a person is daydreaming, or it could look like someone is just tapping at their chest, or they smell something that's not there, hear something that's not there, deja vu, hallucinations, all of these are seizure types. Mm -hmm. And so it it is actually way more common than people think. Yeah. So can you explain the most extreme to Mm -hmm. the most benign? Sure. So um, there is definitely a spectrum of variety of seizure types, but 
the kind that is probably the most um, unrecognizable would be the one that's staring off into space, which once upon a time used to be called the petite mall mm-hmm. seizure. Um, it, or absence seizure, right? Or then it was the absence seizure. <laughs> and then now, now we call it the generalized non-motor seizure. And so that's the one that looks like a, student, a person is staring off into space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, it can range all the way to the other end of the spectrum where a person is having what used to be called the grand mall yeah. seizure, tonic-clonic, and now it's the generalized onset with motor symptoms. Yeah, I'm I'm still back on the grandma. Yeah. <laughs> I think the terms are just more medical. It's yeah. it's just to kind of identify where in the brain the seizures are are originating. Mm-hmm. And that is the seizure type that probably most people associate with seizures in general or with epilepsy. That's the type that no one will forget. Mm-hmm. It is very difficult to watch, but everything that happens in that moment is a physical reaction to the seizure activity in the brain. And so it's very natural, very normal for that person. And and that's the one where they lose body function usually and their whole body is shaking, right? Correct. A lot of things can happen. They lose consciousness. They'll fall. Um, There can be a stiffening and jerkening of the body. Mm -hmm. Um, Eyelids can open and close. A lot of times people get very nervous because they see foaming at the mouth, but that's only because of shallow breathing and drooling at the mouth. Yeah. I think um, maybe we need to talk about first aid, right? Yes. So, you know, if someone is having a seizure in front of you, what should you do to help them? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And uh, it's actually really simple. Mm -hmm. And um, I like to simplify it by saying, stay with them, turn the person on their side and just make sure that they're safe. Yeah. And then, you know, if if a seizure goes on beyond five minutes, we would consider that a medical emergency. But most seizures can resolve itself within a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to your first aid here. It used to be that people used to say, put a spoon in their mouth Mm -hmm. or try to keep their mouth open. And that is a absolute no, no. Absolute no, no. But I'll tell you, I still go to classrooms where a couple people will say, yes, you can swallow your tongue, therefore you should put something in a person's mouth. And I ask them on the spot, okay, swallow your tongue. (laughs) Let me see this happen. Because you couldn't back then, you can't now, you cannot swallow your tongue. Inserting anything into a person's mouth is dangerous because a person is in the middle of having a convulsive seizure and now you've broken their jaw, possibly. Right. Or you you got hurt because you're getting in the way of their their jaw clenching. So nothing in the mouth ever. Yeah. And so you said that there's no need to call 911 unless there's uh, a seizure that lasts more than five minutes. It's multiple seizures in a row. Um, what are the other things that we need to watch a out for? A first-time seizure, mm-hmm. uh, if a person is pregnant, if a person is diabetic, um, if they were injured during the seizure, if one seizure ended and another one began right away, those would be all the reasons to call 911 immediately. Yeah, so I was on your website and, right. and looking at these kinds of, of facts, but there's a couple that I've experienced with, with my child that I think are, are not on your list. Okay. <laughs> so he turns blue. Yes. And and that's because of the, the last breath that they take before the seizure starts. And yes. I think that is not necessarily a reason to call 911, but be safe, right? Yes. You know, and I think the other thing is if there's visible blood. So he's had a number of, of them where he's bit his tongue. Yes. And that is a profusely bleeding organ in your body. And that, I think, scares a lot of people. You don't necessarily have to call 911, but... Correct. You could. Correct. And I I know you have bit your tongue. I've bit my yeah. tongue. And it's, you know, you move on. It's, yeah. it, it does happen. Um, but yes, it does bleed profusely. So I understand that there is a little bit of a nervous mm-hmm. reaction. And I'm glad you mentioned the blueness in the face because that is something that I also tell 
school teachers as well. Like, learn as much as you can from your students Mm -hmm. so that you can understand what to look for and what's supposed to happen and what's not supposed to happen. Yeah, and everybody who has, whether it's the grand mal or the absence in my words, not the new words, will have different symptoms and different recovery times, right? Exactly. Yeah, the return to baseline is very different. Even two people with the same diagnosis will have a very different return to baseline. You know, one of the other things that was on your website was about that you don't have to call 911 if they return back to their normal state. But most people who have, especially the the more severe seizures, have what's called the postictal stage, right? Yes. And they don't return back to their normal state. So what do you suggest people do in that, that case? Well, the postictal phase can last up to two hours, three hours. Yeah. It does take quite a bit of time. It can take someone out of their day. They have one big seizure and then they're done for the day. Mm-hmm. So if it happens in the workplace, we always tell people, make sure you have accommodations with your employer, mm-hmm. set up a room or someplace where you can relax or rest. And the same extends in a classroom. We tell teachers, like your student might need some time, maybe in a nurse's office or principal's office, somewhere where they can relax and just make sure they come back to baseline. Yeah. But if someone is panicking, the best thing to do is call 911, right? Because you want to make sure that whoever's having the seizure gets the care that they need. Right. right? There is nothing. Yes, exactly. There's it's not a wrong. taboo thing to call. No. I mean, the, the job of 911 will be to process the, the emergency. Mm-hmm. And yes, that's great. Okay. So November is Epilepsy Awareness Month. What do you as an organization do for Epilepsy Awareness Month? We do a lot of different things, and a lot of it is also just empowering our community. So my job as director of education is to be in the community as much as possible, educating schools. I was, you know, just got involved with writing an act called the Seizure Smart School Act that it makes basically the training that I do in schools mandatory in all schools of Illinois. And so a lot of it is just starting with education. So mm-hmm. that's where the awareness begins, sharing stories. Um, we have a lot of uh, third-party events that people do in honor of the Epilepsy Foundation, so um, a yoga class, a spin class, a bike for epilepsy, a restaurant give back. So those are all great ways for for people to get involved in their community and say, hey, I want to raise money for this cause because this is what the foundation is doing. They're providing free case management, free advocacy, free education to anyone living with epilepsy Mm -hmm. in the 43 counties. There's also a number of ways that people can give back fairly easily, which is, I know I do, uh, the savers outlets, right, where you can bring your donated, the things you want to donate for household goods and clothing to these these places, and the money goes to Epilepsy Foundation, right? It does. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. I wanted to tell you about savers. So savers <laughs> is a great thrift store where you can, yeah, you can call them. You can go to donateillinois.org. They can come pick up your items. That's great because you don't have to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also host drives. So we have a lot of uh, businesses that we work with, a lot of organizations, a lot of condo buildings. That'll do a drive for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can bring them in and put something out for a couple of weeks, and that definitely goes directly to our programs and services. So, epilepsy isn't one seizure, right? Correct. It means multiple seizures over a period of time. So, you you'd mentioned that there's one in ten people that have seizures in their lifetime. Yes. So. What's the difference between someone that has one versus those that have multiple? Correct. So one in 10 will have a single seizure in their lifetime, but the lifetime risk of developing epilepsy is one in 26. Okay. And it's a non-discriminatory disorder. So any person, any age, any ethnicity can develop epilepsy at any time. And there, there is no one reason why someone has a seizure or gets epilepsy, correct? There is not one reason, but there are several reasons that are kind of growing in the field of epilepsy. So for about I would say 70% of people 
there is no idea why. There's no un, there's no known cause. Mm-hmm. But for the remainder, there would be probably traumatic brain injuries, the number one growing population, brain trauma, um, brain tumor, infections of the brain, genetics. There are now more uh, studies that are being done to actually isolate which genes are responsible for epilepsy. And, and a seizure that happens in a young child so it used to be called a febrile seizure. I don't know if that's still what you call them. A fever, yeah, a febrile seizure is the one that is related directly to a high fever. Mm-hmm. And those don't necessarily lead to epilepsy that's because correct. kids usually under what five or six mm-hmm. have a really high fever over 103. They couldn't easily have a seizure, correct? Yes, that's correct. I think I've lived this. Yeah, <laughs> you know your details. I love it. So talk about how someone could learn more about epilepsy. And the Epilepsy Foundation. Sure. So we are located on 17 North State, so state in Washington. Uh, that's our main office, and we provide case management, advocacy, and education. So what that translates into is for uh, people who need, have non-medical needs. So let's say a family has maybe a daughter with epilepsy, and the parents might need additional support. So they could call us and get case management maybe. You know, because epilepsy is a chronic disorder, it's expensive, it it affects Mm -hmm. the whole family. So maybe some people in the family would benefit from speaking with the case manager. So Mm -hmm. we offer that for free. Uh, We also can help out with uh, IEP planning in schools. Um, and my education. So I've gone into, I've trained the Chicago Police Department. I've gone into law firms. I am speaking on the radio at the moment. I go into schools. I mean, yeah. like anywhere I, I can go to spread the word, to raise awareness. Um, I, I believe in, in that. I have, that's the public health in me where I believe that everyone should have access to this first aid education. So you, you said something that um, people might not understand what an IEP is. Correct. And that means that you have an individual education plan for someone in, in grade school, high school, and even college at times. Um, and what what service do you provide for that? Well, we would help with uh, maybe accommodations for that student. So if that student might need additional testing time mm-hmm. or they might need written instructions instead of, you know, relying on what the teacher said in class. Like mm-hmm. we can help come up with ways that would benefit that student so they're not falling behind. Okay. And, and that's not every person that has a seizure or epilepsy has these kinds of issues. It's just a subset, right? Correct. Because again, there is that gigantic spectrum of epilepsy. And so two people, again, with the same diagnosis might not have the same needs. Yeah. So do you have support groups for families of those dealing, especially with epilepsy, not just the single seizure, or other programs for especially children? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a variety of programming. So we have a kids and teen uh, program that meets on a regular basis and you know like they just went to a pumpkin patch we have support groups for adults directly who are experiencing epilepsy and some of them meet in our office or they meet in other parts of the Chicagoland area mm-hmm. we also have programs for parents and we are just about to start one um, through the University of Chicago so that'll that'll be going on down there and then we have an annual consumer conference which I'm actually producing and that'll be at the Radisson mm-hmm. and uh, that's an education conference for people living with epilepsy and their families and caregivers. And we invite all of our experts in epilepsy to talk about treatment and the latest in medication. Okay. On your website, you had a few other things uh, like Studio E, Epilepsy Art Program for yeah. kids and teens. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Studio E is a really exciting program. We're kind of revamping it and we're about to launch it soon. We're working with a company called Epiphany. And so we're basically going to expand that sort of alternative therapy from just art to art, cooking, yoga, and dance, and just try to come up with all kinds of other ways that people can express living with epilepsy. Mm-hmm. You have a Blackhawk family retreat and a 
Camp Blackhawk for kids and teens. I mean, so you want to talk about those yes. two? Camp Blackhawk is one of our uh, most amazing programs. I think it's two one-week-long programs that are just for kids uh, between the age of 6 and 17. They can live uh, away from home mm-hmm. and basically have whatever medical care that they need, whether it's one-to-one, one-to-two, one-to-three. And just have a regular camp experience. And, and be with people like themselves. And be with people like themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's to no cost. Oh, really? Everything we do is free. Every service, every program is free. And you have some programs for adults that are dealing with epilepsy, right? We have the support groups, and we also have memory-enhancing programs that can be done over the phone with the coach. Mm-hmm. So on your website, though, you talk about Epilepsy Art Program for Adults and a women's retreat also. Mm-hmm. Is that still well, available? The, the art program uh, is Studio E, mm-hmm. and the women's retreat actually just happened a couple weeks ago. So that's uh, something that's at that same location of Camp Blackhawk. Oh, okay, great. Mm-hmm. So your job is the director of education, and tell us a little bit about, you know, you've, you've mentioned that you will go out almost anywhere and, and talk about it, but what would we expect if you came out to educate people about mm-hmm. epilepsy? Sure. So I get a variety of uh, different types of requests. So some of the requests are from a teacher that says, a student just had a seizure in my classroom. I don't know what to do. Can you come please train our entire staff? Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of the calls. Another subset would be our case managers might say, I'm dealing uh, with, I have a client right now and um, the child is being you know, unfairly treated. Could you please do a training in, in the school? So that's another chunk of trainings that we do. Mm-hmm. And then others is just, you know, epilepsy is just a very, it's a, the fifth most common chronic disorder in the Chicago public schools. So often I just get calls because everyone wants to be trained. Sure. And as we all know, there are not enough nurses and support staff in yep. Chicago public schools. So we want everyone to be trained. Yeah. My, my children went to Catholic schools for grade school and high school, and they don't have nurses in there. And so when I would start each year with the new teacher for for my son i'd bring him the packet of first aid and tell him what to deal you know do to deal with if he had a seizure at school but i think that those schools actually could benefit from your services because it's free right absolutely it's free and the other two components to the training one is the seizure action plan which is something that i think is uh well, it will be required with the Seizure Smart School Act, but I think it's just the most useful tool for a family and for a school. It's got everything written on that form in terms of the seizure type, the length, the frequency, the, you know, the symptoms you're looking for, and it's signed by the treating physician, so you'll know exactly what to do. So I was ahead of my time. I did it on my own. There you go. <laughs> you're a pioneer. Well, I didn't even know it. <laughs> so are there any other facts about epilepsy or seizures that that would be important for uh, the common person to know? I think when I am speaking in a classroom, I think the one in 26 mm-hmm. is a really big number that it's hits It's kind of shocking. It is shocking. People look around the room differently. Mm-hmm. It's the fourth most common brain disorder. There is just so much stigma with epilepsy. Yeah. And, you know, there are so many comorbidities. Epilepsy goes with autism. It goes with CP. It goes with MS. There are so many comorbidities with epilepsy. Well, and let's just talk about seizures. I mean, if especially college students who don't sleep, right? That lack of sleep can cause a seizure. Right. Uh, drinking too much, right. too many uh, substances in your body. I mean, there's there's a wide spectrum of reasons that you could actually have a seizure. Correct. And that doesn't mean that you're going to get epilepsy unless you don't take care of those things, right? Because your brain can actually change its functioning 
based on these kinds of activities, right? Right, right. You can definitely avoid your triggers by knowing them. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uncontrollable seizures, especially in the the younger kids. I mean, on your website, it says there's one third of people with epilepsy live with uncontrollable seizures. Uh, And and there's actually a significant number of new cases of epilepsy diagnosed each year. Yes. It's about 150,000. Yes. Yeah. So that's pretty staggering. And then if you're in a classroom teaching 30 teachers, at least one of them in their lifetime is going to have a seizure, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it could be from many different ways, right? Mm -hmm. So is there anything that you would like the listeners to know about the Epilepsy Foundation of Greater Chicago or epilepsy in general as we wrap up this? Sure. Well, our website's epilepsychicago.org. I would like people to know that we are here to help them, whether it's themselves, their neighbor, their uncle, aunt, whatever. We have a solution. We can find answers for things if they're not sure of where to go. We help field their call. Mm -hmm. Um, We can provide case management over the phone. We can do education over the phone or anywhere. I did a training for a Native American reservation mm-hmm. in Washington. I mean, I will go, any, I mean, that was virtual, but yeah. the message can go anywhere. But I believe a lot of this starts with education, just sharing stories and breaking down barriers and reducing that stigma and being a part of that. Mm-hmm. So if someone has a, a question about a practitioner, how do they go about finding a practitioner? Mm-hmm. Great question. So most people would think that you would start with a neurologist. Mm-hmm. Neurologist is definitely a person who specializes in the brain, but an epileptologist is someone who has an additional fellowship in epilepsy. So that's the kind of person that you would want to seek out specific to epilepsy. And how would you find one? There are about seven epilepsy centers in the Chicago area. Mm -hmm. And so if you're on the website to, let's say, Northwestern or University of Chicago and you're typing in the search, just instead of typing neurologist, type in epileptologist. Okay. And is there a difference between a pediatric and an adult? Well, the pediatric will serve up to age 18 Mm -hmm. and then the adult will go beyond that. But as you're looking, if you have a three-year-old that is dealing with a seizure disorder or epilepsy, you want to find a pediatric epileptologist. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the majority of the the centers in the Chicago area do have pediatric epilepsy, North Shore, Loyola. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to go only to Lurie's. They have them at all the different centers. Yes. And we are happy to provide that information. We have that kind of resource. So if, if we call your office, we're greeted by someone that can handle these general kinds of questions and potentially get us to where we need to go? Absolutely. So many of our calls are, uh, hi, I'd like to apply for a medical ID bracelet, which we also mm-hmm. provide for free, whether it's a medical ID bracelet or a necklace, or um, I heard that you collect donations <laughs> <laughs> for savers, and so we give that information, or, you know, can you connect me to Aisha? I want to do a training, or I need to speak to a case manager. I've never had that before. I need to do an intake. You know, there's a variety of reasons why someone would call our office every day. And your office is located here in Chicago. Yes. And what's the address again? 17 North State. And you can be found at epilepsychicago.org. Correct. And the phone number? 312-939-8622. Great. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Stay tuned to the ResU podcast here on WGN Plus for more episodes with ResU thought leaders and partners that will introduce unique ideas and ways to help listeners make choices that are influential, mindful, and impactful. ResU, it's amazing to be needed.